Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Hey, I heard you needed inspiration. He's Ilana and friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day, every little thing's gonna be a-okay. Little known fact about my guest today, growing up in Brownsville, Brooklyn, with his really tight-knit family from Guyana, so many beautiful values were instilled in him about community and generosity and kindness and who he is today, and of course, his incredible talent, his brilliant mind, his beautiful heart, and where it all began makes this conversation with Jelani Aladdin one I will always cherish. So welcome the brilliant Jelani Aladdin to the podcast. Hi, I would like to welcome Jelani Aladdin to the podcast. Is this Jelani on the other end of the line? This is him. Hello, hi, at long last. Oh my God, I'm so happy. I'm so happy that I get to talk to you. I am so happy that I get to share your beautiful self with all of my listeners who live all over the world. Um, Wow. Because you are, you know, when I say the voice, uh, it means so many things right now. I Mm. fell in love with your voice uh, when I got (laughs) to see you on stage. And now I have fallen even more deeply in love with your voice as I listen to it um, as wow, a guy. Thank you. Jelani Aladdin, I know so much about you from uh, seeing your work and <laughs> Googling you and oh, no. <laughs> reading about you and all the ways in which one can research as I've deep dived into your world yeah. uh, from the moment you said yes um, to coming on the show. But what I don't know a lot about, and we're going to get to so many things in this conversation but i wondered if we might start um at the beginning at the beginning (laughs) yeah i think that's a very good place to start Um, where did you grow up and just tell me a little bit about your family and Mm. your early days and things that might have been meaningful that allowed me to get to see you on stage all these years later yeah you know i had a uh, i'm a first generation american and so growing up, um, it was a uh, very uh, strict household. I'm from Brownsville, Brooklyn, and um, my parents are both from Guyana. And um, my mom chose this um, neighborhood in, in Brooklyn because she was able to get an affordable house. It was near a subway. Um, but little did we know that it would turn out to be one of the um, you know the, the toughest neighborhoods in New York City, mm-hmm. um, but Did that you have friends and family in Brownsville from Guyana. Were they here, sort of 
all alone? What was their scenario that, that yeah. started them out here? So they came both. I think my mom came when she was in her mid twenties and my dad came around the same time, but they actually met at college at Baruch college. Um, they're both studying there. And so um, my mom is one of five and my dad is one of seven. And so when the families came to Guyana, you know, they, it was a big family coming to Guyana. And so they had lots of family around and family was always um, in my life. I would say like my cousins were like my brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they were the people that I played with. I didn't, we didn't really like associate with friends like friends didn't come over to sleep over or like come over to hang it was like your cousins came over to sleep over and your cousins came over to hang um and that kind of began uh my life and my experience of the world through um playing with my cousins and and us um the church around the corner from my house became really really large in my life i spent <laughs> monday nights there wednesday, wednesday nights there friday nights there Sunday morning service, and then Sunday afternoon lunch. And and those people became family as well. Um, and those were the people that lived, you know, in the five block radius of our house. Right. Um, and a lot of times they would come to my house because my mother was so giving and open and generous and loving that people would just come to our house to have a meal when they were hungry or to they need someone's shoulder to cry on or they need a good laugh. They would come to my house and sit in my living room. And me as a kid, I would get so mad. I'd be like, oh, why is she being so nice to these strangers and not being nice to me? Right. Um, and little did I know that it was because she was, she is such a generous spirit. Um, and I think that I, I, I learned from her from watching that. Right. And I, I began to understand, oh, life is far bigger than the word I or me, um, that it's about the collective we. And so my entire life then became that, you know, um, I, uh, I went to middle school in, in, in Bushwick, um, which is not too far from Brownsville. But then at a certain point, I realized that I had to actually get out of Brooklyn that I had to leave to go after this American dream of quote unquote success that like, I felt like that everything that I wanted did not, I could not get when, if I stayed in Brooklyn for high school. And so I went to Connecticut. I applied to this program called a better chance. And I did a community boarding school program in new Canaan, Connecticut of all places, which is the complete opposite world from Brownsville, Brooklyn. Like There's, a Twilight Zone episode, all of a sudden. Literally. Um, in fact, <laughs> uh, I'm writing a whole... Yeah, yeah, talk to me. When, no, no, no. I, this is the briefest of interruptions. How are you even like... Is there a mentor, a teacher? How do you find out about a better chance? It's pre-Instagram, right? It's pre- Yeah, this is pre-Instagram. Yep, so yep. who's your guide? Like, hey, there is a way where you can get these things. Mm-hmm. Fill out an application for, are your parents helping you? Like, how are you even knowing that you can do this? So it, at the time, it was my aunt, my aunt, Aunt Jackie. Um, so my cousin, Ayana, 
went to end up going to uh, Northfield Mount Hermon High School through a better chance as a private boarding school. And so yeah. at this, the middle school, Philip Schuyler Middle School for the Gifted and Talented is where we went to. Um, and I think that they had a, a, the principal there was affiliated with ABC somehow. Like she like was um, either a donate, donator there or on the board or something like that. So like ABC was present in this school. Um, and so my, I saw that my cousin and when they went to move her into her dorm for high school, they took me with her. Um, and I went along for the ride to Massachusetts and I saw this beautiful campus and I was like, Whoa, she's going to be walking around to her classes on her own. She's only like 14 or 13. Like that's crazy. And, um, I fell in love with the, like you guys were such a close knit family and world and she was branching out. Yeah. And it was like, Whoa. And, 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 you know, my, my aunt, um, was very much of the community of Brooklyn and very much, uh, my uncle has a, um, black owned business in Brooklyn that he sells, uh, clothes. He's a designer, African designs, um, furniture, etc., um, different uh, antique pieces. And so he was very exposed to white culture in Brooklyn and white people in Brooklyn. And so, you know, we would have, this is going to sound crazy, but we would have things like charm class at my house where we learned how to eat with like five uh, forks and two knives and what they mean and different spoons and different cups and different glasses. Like that was actually trained in my house to me. Um, and, uh, we would go out to, you know, Japanese restaurants and be like, what sushi? And I'd be go back to school and tell my friends I had sushi. And they're like, how could you eat that stuff? Like, you know, we, we, uh, there was a different kind of, um, there was a, she was really trying to expose us to the world beyond, the walls of Brownsville, Brooklyn, because she believed, you know, my mother worked in corporate America. So did my my aunt and they were exposed to working with white people a lot. And they're like, this is a world that you guys need to know that you guys need to learn about. Um, And so that education was passed down to me and prepared me for, for going to an interview for a better chance where I had to sit down and have a literal interview at 12 with a grown adults explaining why I, why they should invest their money and time in me. Like at 12 years old, I was having that conversation. Um, and so, you know, if we talk about how I ended up where I am today, I think the seeds for that started way back then. Um, right. and, and I kind of always been fearless because of that. You know, my mother, she said, you can be anything you want to be. And, and she always, always told that to me and my sister. And we believed it. We believed that there were no limits. Um, and that kind of um, uh, boundless imagination uh, allowed us to be like, allowed me to be like, I want to go. I want to go see what's out there. And I want to venture out there and be brave enough to tackle it on my own. Um, little did I know what I was getting into arriving in New Canaan, Connecticut. And, and, and through the four years of that time at high school, I learned a lot about the world, about who I am. Um, in fact, I'm writing a whole TV show about it <laughs> because it's, it's oh, wow. wild. It's yeah. wild. Um, and the things that are coming to light today, it's like, uh, I've been experiencing this since I was 13. I know, I know exactly what's going on in the world and exactly how these systems work and how I had to play the system 
to then find my way inside to infiltrate the system, to then dominate the system, to now be like, I want to make the new system. You know, it's crazy that like that, that finagling had to happen yet. You know, you find someone who's probably white and my age right now, and they would be like, I never had to do any of that. I just had to exist, you know, and things would happen to me. Whereas I had to be so calculated um, from such a young age. When you, so, you know, I talked about your voice earlier. Mm. Uh, I, you know, I saw you in Frozen, uh, fell deeply in love. Then I had the, I, I won the lottery. I was early in Willy Wonka. <laughs> and I can't really remember maybe Hamilton, like seeing something where the expectation mm-hmm. and the reality met perfectly actually exceeded my expectations because the hype was so crazy. Um, And, you know, I did Charlie Brown with Roger Bart. So I had a relationship to the piece. I talked to Roger a little bit while he was rehearsing with you. Mm. um, And he just, you know, said you, you don't, I can't even put into words, just come. And I was like, okay. Um, (laughs) But but so I bring that up because uh, the two things that I saw you in most recently just your singing voice, your acting, your presence, your beauty, you're so, um, you exude this kind of thing that you can't learn. You're either a Mm. star or you're not, you're a star, but your singing voice is just really one that one could listen to all the time. And you talked about church in your, um, pre-Connecticut story. Yes. Um, were you singing in church and getting as a young boy? Like you're really good. No, I was not getting you really good. In fact, I was terrible. And you know what? I am so mad to this day that my mother made me get up there every Sunday and sing because I'm like, I, I sound bad. Like, I what? So video or recordings and you're going back and you're like, oof. No. Oh, yeah. I mean, all of them. I'm like, really? what was he thinking? Of course. Because you know what it was? It wasn't, it wasn't, um, I, I knew it was something I could do, but it wasn't something that I was passionate about. Like, wow. so my mother would make me go up there to sing Amazing Grace, like, um, how to go? It, it was like, not not the hymn Amazing Grace. It was some different version. It was like, uh, I can't remember how it goes. In, I'm trying to remember right now. But it's like, I sang that. Oh, yeah. Amazing Grace will always be my song of praise. Like it was like something like that. Like it was a melody that was not the typical Amazing Grace, but I sang that everywhere. Like they would be like, Jelani, sing it, Jelani, sing it. And I'd be like, why are you making me do this? And 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 I remember my aunt was like, because it's your gift. And I didn't understand what that meant. I really was right. like, I'm like a nine-year-old being like, really, can I just sit down like everybody else? Like why I got to get up and sing? Yes, this um, is embarrassing. I yeah. 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 And also like there were people who could sing better than me around me. There were some fantastic riffers in my church who were like, these high tenor boys and I didn't really have that really high tenor timbre sound to my voice. And so I felt intimidated. Um, but it wasn't until high school when, um, so in Connecticut, part, in Connecticut. so yeah. par- part of the like deal for this program is that you have to do an after school activity. And, uh, well, the fall came around and, you know, I'm not exactly the person to want to sign up and do football, and my best friend, who had been in choir with me the year before, was like, why don't you do the musical? And I was like, 
oh, that's really, it's really nice that you think I could do that, but I could never do that. Like, I'm not good enough for that. And, but I was desperate to do something and I was like, I have to do something. So I went to the audition for Suzical the Musical and I sang <laughs> Anthem from Chess. Hi. How did you even know Anthem from Chess? Because it was the first song in a songbook that I picked up from the school library. Got it. Got it. <laughs> and I was like, all right, this is what I'm singing. And they were like, okay. And then I sang it. And then the cast list came out and it was like Jelani Aladdin, Cat in the Hat. Wow. And I all was like. All the things you can think. Oh, the things you can think if you're willing yeah. to try. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to do this now. I guess I have to do this now. And I worked my butt off. I want. I like watched every video. At that time, YouTube was just being born. Like literally yeah. just came out that year. Yeah. And so every video that I could find of anything, of people acting, of like, what is musical theater? How do you do it? Um, I would, washing dishes in the living room and, and, and like singing and all the boys in the house would be so mad at me. They're like, shut up. Why are you keep singing that song? And I'm like, I have to learn it. You guys. Yeah, I'm like, I have to memorize like notes and lyrics and somehow be able to dance when I get to rehearsal tomorrow. So please leave me alone. <laughs> is New Canaan a boarding school? So it's actually a public school, but it's a community boarding school program. So what that means is that the town essentially donates money to the program and the program makes this house in the middle of the town with um, two boys in each grade and they are from inner city uh, towns and cities across uh, America or mainly the Northeast. Um, and then uh, we go to this all white school. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, And who were the adults living with you? The adults were the resident directors, and um, they were a white family with uh, two kids, and they watched over us and their own kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, it was, um, you know, I wouldn't take it back for anything because I just feel that it expanded me as a human so much. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, of course, over the course of my four years there, I got to really discover the arts and really discover right. my passion for the arts and that I wanted to be an actor. Right. Um, I had no that's idea. That's the good part. Yeah. 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 That's, the, that's the payoff, right? Is that like there I discovered my calling, I believe. You know, my, so my, you said my best friend was like, you have to do this. Is that your best friend from this new high school or yes, your best that's friend correct. from? Okay. So you yeah. made a best friend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, her name is Charlotte and, uh, we, um, we went to, we were in choir together and then there's a special choir that you would, you got in, you had to audition for and you got into, it's called Madrigals. Um, right. and so we were both in that. So every Wednesday night, her mom would pick me up. Her mom was also the president of the ABC house. So, um, her mom would pick me up and we'd go to Wednesday night to this magical rehearsal. And then we'd come back and then we'd be like all gabbing about it in the car and excited about like this aria that we have to learn and da la la la. Um, this was classical music. Okay. Um, and, um, and then, um, you know, she was also doing theater and I remember my classical teacher was like, you don't want to do theater. Like people wait hours in line for the, in that profession. You'll never get a job, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, yeah, millions of people aren't me. <laughs> you know, I've always had that kind of belief being like, I don't, whenever you, someone, someone says a generalization, I'm like, yeah, but that's not me. You know, right. I've always kind of felt that internally. It was like an, it's like an internal, um, 
uh, uh, pulsation inside of me. I guess that's the right word. That's always guiding me being like, uh, no, I'm going to do this. And uh, no, I'm going to be a pioneer. No, I'll be the first. No, if no one's done it before, then I'll do it. That's always kind of been um, living inside of me. Um, And I think that infuses my voice and and, and quite literally like, the like I'll able to use my voice and release my voice. Um, I think that, that that there's nothing holding it back. When you talked about your mom, who mm-hmm. sort of uh, was the first person um, to say to you and your sister, like whatever you want to do, mm-hmm. go for it. Um, and you talk about your aunt and all these people. When you talk about the voice inside you, that was like. Mm, that may be true, but not for me. I'm going to do it. What is that voice? Does that voice have a face? Does that voice mm. have an actual sound? Like, who was that talking to you? You know, I really can't put a face to it. I I, uh, I don't know who it is. That, that I, I, I wonder if it's, you know, my family's very, very religious. And, and yeah. so um, I grew up a lot of, with the principles of the Bible. And I think that... It may be the voice of God inside of me. It, it, mm-hmm. You know, it may be the the my my God, my internal um, connection to something other than myself um, right. that 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 guides me, that that fuels me. Um, that you know, I think particularly even in Hercules, talk about a show that aligns so much with who I am. You know, and being outside in the park and having. Co- access to the sky and to a God and to, to, to the energy from that's other than myself that was being used through me. Um, and, and I feel like that's also the reason why I think that, that there was a different, um, that people received the message of the show quite differently because, um, I think that I was channeling that through it Mm. as well. Wow. Well, I mean, we could do six hours about Hercules because that really was this um, this uh, this experience that yeah. was so beyond the piece in the yeah. way you're describing. Um, when you were in the school and Susical, which really remains, there are songs in that show, Alone in the Universe. Like it's a oh, really it's special, such a beautiful show. Yeah, um, and you know it it resonates so deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, what a great, like to put your training wheels on for I, theater, the message of that yeah. show. I still sing the, the line, a person's a person, no matter how small, like that line yeah. is so good. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I can be amazing, amazing. <laughs> as feminine as feather can be now. Hey, <laughs> She's amazing too. I think was it was Taylor Trench. He was on the show, and that was like one of his first. And I was like, "How is it that we know every lyric to every uh-huh. song uh-huh. in that musical?" And it's like not the kind that you've seen a million times, or it just is really special. So you start with that mm-hmm. in this all white high school in Connecticut, where you're living in this house with people from all over the world. It and- sounds like a crazy story. I know. <laughs> <laughs> when you say at ABC, which you're using, the, you know, a better chance abbreviated, just yes. as people keep listening. Um, and and you are now writing about it because I know that you're starting. Is this still what it's called? Uh, uh, Dumont 
Dumont Millennials Productions. That's the that's the production company that I've started. Yes, like also, just by the way, what, what is Dumont Millennial? What is Dumont? Where did that come so from? Dumont is the street that um, my house growing up is on, Dumont Avenue. Oh. And I, re- I chose that because um, my home was a revolving door for many different kinds of people. Mm-hmm. Um, white, black, straight, gay, um, poor, rich, they all came past through those doors and their stories are so rich and they're millennial stories. They're stories of a new generation, of a first generation Americans, of people um, trying to find their groundings in America for the first time in a contemporary America. And so um, that's why millennials also attached to it. So Dumont Millennial, because that's the place where it all began for me. And that's the place where I began to understand storytelling because people will literally come and sit down in our living room and just tell stories for hours. And I would sit on the stairs because when guests came, you know, the kids had to go upstairs to their room, but I would sit on the stairs and I would listen because I'd be like, what are they talking about? You know, Um, granted, I may have been too young for some of the stories, but still I was like, I'm curious, you know? So that's where Dumont and Millennial come from. Yeah. And just, you know, not to bury the lead, but part of what you've talked about recently is taking ownership of your of your career and the kinds yeah. of projects you want to see out in the world. And so um And that began you, long before this quarantine moment. This moment. It, and so you're writing about one of the things you're writing about is this time in Connecticut. That's correct. And what is the kind of entree into it how are you framing yeah, it i'm framing it in a sort of a mystery um uh-huh. because uh there it's funny because the lead character um that's based off of myself and other boys that have gone through the program um uncovers so many things like quite literally uncovers it's like um every i feel like every episode like a um uh, a curtain's being peeled away from his eyes. And so he's seeing another layer, another something deeper into society and into how the world works through um, this situation where he's plugged into a world that is not of his own. And he's trying so hard to fit in um, and, and then finding, you know, that um, authenticity is something that we have to guard and hold on to for ourselves that nobody, we can't put that responsibility on anyone else but ourselves. Um, and so how do you remain authentic to who you are, to your skin color, to your history when you're in a world where you don't see yourself reflected almost ever? And then you're being used in a weird way, sort of kind of way to um, to keep this program alive, to you, you're held to a standard of excellence that is for a teenager is wildly um demanding unfair. and unthinkable. And unfair. Yeah, yeah. And un- unfair. Yeah, truly. Yeah. Like we had to maintain 85, you know, if I wanted to do the, the school musicals because they would take me out of study hall, we had study hall every night, <laughs> by the way. And, mm-hmm. um, and if I wanted to do the musical, I had to get an A every semester because I would have to miss study hall to have rehearsals at night. So like I had to make sure I held on to an A average the entire time I was in high school. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, just expectations that were not put on other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you finish, you went to NYU? 
Did you go right from high school to college? That's correct. And at that point, are you thinking, I'm going to college and I'm going to become a professional actor when I'm done? That's correct. Um, So I, junior year, when I saw uh, In the Heights uh, on Broadway, um, that completely revolutionized my life because I said, oh, I can do this. There's a place for me in this. Yes. Um, Because I think I remember I saw, I think I saw uh, Joshua Henry on because I think Chris was out that performance. So I think I saw Joshua. Um, And I was like, oh my gosh, a black man starring on Broadway. Like I can do this. Um, And so um, I applied to every, you know, musical theater school that everyone applies to back then. It was like the top 10, you know what I mean? I applied to like all of them and I had no help because the guidance counselors at New High School, they had nobody really do this before. And ABC didn't have anybody kind of doing this before. And so I kind of did it on my own. I, I like, again, picked two songs. I picked Dancing Through Life from Wicked and There But For You Go I from Brigadoon as my audition songs that I sang everywhere. Um, and uh, then... I um, got into University of Michigan, full ride, and I then went there, and I was like, oh, no, oh, no, this isn't the place for me. Um, And I remember at NYU, you know, they were saying they were starting this new program. It was going to be a black man leading the program, and it meant that I would be, you know, over, you know, 170K in debt after the end of four years, and I was like, I have to go there. Yeah. I have to go there. I have to be a part of that first class and I have to be taught by predominantly African American teachers. That's not done at any other university. <laughs> right, right. And so I so, went. But wait, so you had a full ride at Michigan, mm-hmm. but you were not offered a full ride at NYU. Absolutely not. <laughs> and right. you did not they gave me like some financial aid and then the rest was right. all loans. Yeah. Right. You were like, I don't care. I got it. This is important for my spirit and my yeah. education and my life. Yeah. And not everyone has and the privilege to say that they can do that, you know, take yes. on that. Yeah. And were your parents um, supportive of this decision at the time? They were, They, you know, it was hard because they were like, why do you really believe this is the right place? And I don't know who trusted me, but somebody did. And I was like, I'm telling you guys, I got to go to NYU. I got to do this. And uh, and they and found so was and they this found in a the way. Beginning of the year, or did you finish freshman year at, in Michigan and then join? No, this was in high school. This is junior. This is senior oh, high school. You never even went to Michigan. You just got the acceptance letter. I went for my audition, and I was like, and I like stayed a day, and like went to one of their classes and things like that. I remember seeing. Um, I think Ashley Park was in one of the classes that uh-huh. and Taylor and Taylor Lauderman. Um, and then I was like, no, I, I can't do this. I can't. I I, I can't do this school. I, it's something I don't know what it was. I think it was the fact, the lack of diversity, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. Um, Did it I was, feel like Connecticut all it, over again? That's like exactly it. This. Now that we're talking yeah. about it, that's exactly it. Yeah. I was of like, course. I can't do this no more. I got to go back to my home, to, to New York City. I got to mm-hmm. find me again. Um, yeah, that's exactly it. And did you? Did it, did it deliver in many ways? It healed. It, it healed. healed. It healed so many things, so many false insecurities that I had made up because I I, I was making I, I, the white, blue-eyed, tall, muscular um, high school jock was the epitome of what I felt like I should look like. 
And how sad, how sad that I, at that age was like, oh, I'm not pretty enough. Oh, I'm not talented enough. I'm not good enough. Um, and that I needed to come back to New York City and be around Black people and be around people that look like me that and friends that I could be like, I'm going through this experience. Are you going through this too? You know what I mean? Like just having someone to talk to like that yeah. makes the difference of the world. And then I began to see myself being like, I am everything that I need to do what I need to do. I I, I don't need to to try to become anything else. And are you dating yet? In I have a daughter and a son entering high school. So mm-hmm. high school is like a hotbed and a beginning of, right. you know, hormones and figuring out who you're attracted to. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And so are you starting to date people? I think that that was completely out of the picture for me in high school because um, it was so like education was just so shoved down my throat. That there was no space. For, right. for that even to be entertained. Do you know what I mean? It. it was just like, uh, nah, bro, you better get your grades or else you ain't going to be here. Yeah. Forget about anybody else, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. And so there was no space for that. And so in a weird way, in my life right now, I still feel like there's no space for that, <laughs> you know, because I'm so, I'm so work focused. And so, but what this pandemic, I must say, has open up the space for us to allow me to reflect and be like, all right, where are the places that I actually can provide more time and more space and more energy yes. to let love enter the picture, to let, um, you Intimacy. know, yeah, let that in. Um, yeah. And so, so, and so we'll see. <laughs> hey, listeners, I'm just saying you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> we'll he's, see. He's open. he's open. He's not committing, but he's open. He's open. You you know, you have to be open to all things, to all things. And, and, and that's kind of like what, once I left the doors of NYU, I left the doors of the education system, which for so long I was trying to beat and, 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 and become at the top. And then I was like, wait, there's no, now there's no system for me to try to beat because it's just life. You're just out there living. And so you have to be open to whatever comes your way and what's meant for you is meant for you. You know, I mean, I think back as I'm sitting here, I'm thinking about my, like my resume, right. Which is like, most people think that my resume begins at frozen, which is like, nah, bro. I was doing some stuff before that. Like my first play when I graduated from school was choir boy, like Terrell McCraney's choir boy. And I played Ferris in wow. DC and, and San Francisco. And it's like, you look at that and then you look at the journey to like me, like playing flick in violet at, at a theater in, in, um, where was that in Tennessee and then doing like Lauren Gunderson's I and you at, in Arkansas. And then, you know, and then coming back to New York city and then being in frozen and playing Kristoff, you're like Kristoff and Ferris, the same person. What? Yeah. <laughs> you and know? sweetie, the musical sweetie. And I mean, sweetie. I did off yeah. Broadway. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. A lot of things. So, so f- but the truth is, I mean, Frozen will probably be the thing when people think of you. Yes. Like that they will think, well, that was the breakthrough role. Yeah. Yeah. Um and in and in many ways, I guess it was, right? In terms of Oh uh, yeah. It put me know, on the map. The New York City. Map. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you were friggin' amazing in oh, it. Thank um, you. Was that um was that a job you wanted? I say I would say eventually yes, initially no. 
initially it was i went into an epa which is basically like you know you just sign up for a slot to sing basically yeah and um you know rachel hoffman was there god bless her and she was like who are you why haven't i met you like what's your deal and i was like you know i'm I graduated from school. I did a bunch of regional plays and now I'm back in the city and I want to work here. And she was like, all right, good for you. You know? And I was like, that's so weird. Like this is frozen. Like they're not casting anybody black. Like that was a literal thought I had. Like they're not going to cast a black person in any of these leads. Not to mention they're not going to cast anyone from an op- an obligatory open call. Right. 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 Like, the list of offers that usually go out for this sort of thing um, it's rare that the EPA lands you with a job. It's a great way to meet some directors and casting directors, but even that feels like it almost doesn't feel real. Like this right. feels like they have to. Equity says it, so they're doing it. Yeah, yeah. And 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 then they brought me in for a pre-screen for Christoph with Caesar Rocha, who was also fantastic. And in that moment, in the room with him, I was like. Uh, Oh, oh, you guys are actually considering me. Like, like I'm auditioning for real. Yeah. Like, I could just tell, like, when I walked in, there was a different energy of, like, oh, no, we're actually, like, we're examining you right now. And, you know, I we work, I worked through the scene with him. And then I was, he was like, have you seen the movie? And I was like, I saw the movie. To be quite honest, I fell asleep the first time. Yikes. Um, he was like, please go back and watch the movie. And I was like, all right, I will. But as I walked out the room, I got a call from my manager being like, the next morning, you're meeting the entire team. Oh, my God. The That's next fast. morning. That's yeah. crazy. So the next morning, I go to Telsey's office, and there's Ann Quart and Michael Grandage and Stephen Aramis and, and Bobby and Kristen Lopez. I mean, it was just like, oh, okay, like this is happening right now. And I didn't even sing from the show yet. I sang um, something from Brigadon. On. And um, I did Not Brigadon. Not bring it on. Bring it on. <laughs> um, and I did the scene once. And that was it. And they're like, thank you so much. Michael Grandage was like, anybody need anything else? All right, thank you. And uh, I walked out being like, "I that was it. I lost my shot at Broadway. It's gone. They didn't even want to work with me. how did you feel inside when you were, like, how did that feel? Um, it for me, it was like, all right, cool. They just don't want, they don't want me. You know, I'm very much when I come to auditions, I'm like, you know, I, I, I'm a beautiful peach and sometimes they don't want peaches. You know what I mean? Like, that's just what Mm -hmm. the day is holding for me. But then I got to the elevator and I got a call from my manager being like, they want to bring you to final callbacks and they want you to hold the dates for the out of, for the workshop, the out of town and Broadway. And I was like, <laughs> no, they didn't even talk to me, bro. Like they don't like me. And final callbacks came about two months later. Did you see other people who were also auditioning for that part? No, I did not see anybody else there that day. Um, But I did go to final callbacks and there were two other guys and I did my final callback and they like sent me to a back room and then they sent the other two guys home and they just had me stay for the the day reading with, you know, every Broadway star that there was for Anna. And um, uh, in my gut, I felt like, oh, this could be mine. You know, this could be mine. Do you remember reading with Patty? I do. They brought me back another time to read with Patty because Patty wasn't there the day of the final callbacks. So I actually had to come back the next week to read with Patty and Casey again. Um, And um, 
Yeah, I just remembering. I just remember being like, "Oh, she's the one, isn't she?" You know. Yeah, she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is so incredible. Yeah. Out of nowhere, I Out mean, of nowhere, absolutely yeah. nowhere. Not they on my radar at all. They wanted a peach. <laughs> they did. They peaches. So when you think back to the process, mm. did you feel? included in the process or that you were never allowed to know where you stood it was difficult i must say it was a it was a balance of both i feel that um that they were very respectful at times and then other times they would not just shut me out but shut all the other actors out and be like mm-hmm. quite literally there'd be rehearsal days where we'd have we'd feel like we were auditioning rather than rehearsing they'd be like all right can we see this scene okay thank you we're gonna go in the other room and deliberate and then, and then they'd be, we'd wait in the hallway, and then they'd be like, "All right, can we have Johnny and Patty in to do What Do You Know About Love?" And we're like, "Thank oh you for, so much for our callback. Thank you so much for letting us, um, you know, do the try this material again." <laughs> Being so right. stupid, because right. at, at, you know, it, at times, you know, you could feel that there was there was pressure around certain things, and and there wasn't really space for collaboration. And you is know, this the out of town tryout and the workshop still. Th- yeah, this is the, this is this is the actual yeah. job. Yeah, the actual job. Like I knew I was going to Broadway, and I was still scared for my job. Do you know what I mean? Right. Um, and 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 I think that kind of um, the the circumstances and the the work environment that was created didn't allow for the space for me to be like, hey, uh, what do you think about this? Hey, I'm yeah. having feelings about this because very different than my Hercules experience. Um, I think that it was just because, you know, when you do, when you're doing commercial theater, there's a, there's a tighter lock, especially in a Disney production theater by corporation. It's I'm sure there's a tighter lock on, you know, this product needs to be to service. It needs to service so many different kinds of people. And so we need to have a closer hand in it, but it's like, at the same time, it's like, allow the artist to breathe, allow us to create art with you. Um, and so I think that over time, we eventually found, I eventually found, I'm going to speak for myself, I eventually found my way into my character through how they were setting it up. And I was like, well, this is just how it's going to be. And I just got to find Jelani within this version of Kristoff that, right. you know, at the end of the day, to be quite honest, I wasn't happy with mm-hmm. uh, the final product of the show, my my product of the show. I wasn't happy with it. I thought that it was, um, I thought there were so many parts of it that didn't really land that also felt um, bland because I felt like I became numb halfway through the process. So I was like, I'm just going to do this thing and move on. Like, I'm not even going to like try to attempt to do something special with it because every time I try to attempt, I don't really get a feedback on whether or not they like that or not. Um, right. And so, so what's well, the sense of trying? So then I, right. I just like, you know, I was just like, okay, do the bare minimum, get through it. And do the bare minimum, and if you just do that, then you'll be doing your job. So that's you'll what that on the costume, and yeah. that's a, right, and that does you know now they know now they know it's Kristoff, mm-hmm. right? Here's mm-hmm. the hat. Um, well, I do have to say I got to see it um, toward the end, actually, of your run, mm. and I thought that you were beautiful, and Thank that you, you brought whatever you're describing is, I guess Jelani is irrepressible. I guess the thing mm-hmm. is, even if you're doing minimum Jelani, like <laughs> basic, um, 
the humanity and the love and the warmth and your inner beauty just shines through and your beautiful voice. And this is not news. You're incredibly handsome. So the whole package of, you know, all of it, um, I had a really beautiful experience watching you. And so the professional in you, I guess I would say, Hmm. um, showed up. Yeah, and, I think that, because I mean, that's I my job, you know. You, I'm just saying what my experience was. Yes, I yes. thought you were really a highlight for me. Thank you. Um, and we we cheer for you and we love you. Thank because you because you're so good. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I yeah. I work very hard. I think that this doesn't come easy for me. I'm not. I'm not some you know super talented person that fell from the heavens like you know, uh, some of my other Broadway peers who can just like roll out of their bed and spit this yeah, out. It's like sort I, of effortless. It, 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 it kind of takes work for me and it takes, yeah. it takes working through a lot of things and, and, and really figuring things out. Um, and it becomes enjoyable when, um, when there's space for, for true collaboration, like my process with Hercules, oh man, that was a dream. It was well, a can dream. we talk about that? Because it really, yeah. I mean, as I said, it was like being on the moon, you know? It yeah. was just so extraordinary. Um, so this, yet again, is a is a Disney film mm-hmm. that is being, you know, was adapted for the stage. Um, had it ever been done before as a, as a stage presentation? I think they had done it on, like, cruise ships, but I don't okay. think that Alan Menken was involved. Okay. So how did this come in your life? That story is quite interesting. So I'm going to give you a a very short version of it. So um, I got a random call one day being like, hey, they want you to come play Hercules in a reading of Hercules. And I was like, that's weird. Okay. I don't even know they were doing Hercules. What is this for? They're like, I don't know the public's involved. That's all we know. Like it's all anyone knew from the first reading that it was involved with the public. And Lear de Bessonet, who is an angel, quite literally an angel, um, you know, the first day of rehearsal for the first workshop, she was like, I believe that Hercules isn't, should be an African-American male. And I want to tailor this piece to your experience. And I was like, you know, it's funny because I feel like my experience of my life is a Herculean experience of being like, I don't know where I belong, leaving home in Brooklyn and going to this new place and like trying to become a hero there in New Canaan, Connecticut, and then rising to the top and then realizing that it was all worth nothing. And then coming back home and realizing that who I am is always been inside of me and that my authentic self lives within me. Like that's quite like, literally like Hercules journey. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow. And, um, and I was like, I'm willing to work very hard to, for us to unpack this piece. I got fired. After the third workshop, after the third workshop, um, I could not sing Go the Distance. Members of the creative team felt that they didn't want to take a chance on me. And so they let me go. And they auditioned, you know, everyone under the sun in New York City. That was between the ages of 18 and 30 and African-American. And I was going to move to L.A. and, and begin my TV and film career. And... The day I was going to my manager's office to talk about, to finalize our plans for my move, Leah DeBessonet calls my phone and I was like, why is Leah calling me? Hello, Leah. She's like, Jelani, you've always been my Hercules. Some people just needed their process and we are going to offer you the role (gasps) of Hercules. And I was like, what? Like completely let it go, completely moved on. I was like, 
go good luck with your hercules whatever and (laughs) then it came back to my lap and i was like wow this is meant for me um and so I worked my butt again. I worked my butt off, and I worked. So with- let me just ask you: That's a you know, we, you are a human being. Human beings have pride, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's very hard to have worked so hard on something, think that it's going one way, and then find out not everyone was rallying around you. Yeah, and then obviously with her at the helm, you knew her truth. So. Yes. But how did you like, was there any part of you that wanted to go like, mm, sorry? Um, mm, yes, question mark. I, I think mm-hmm. that, I think that there is, I mean, we're actors. We have, we have egos, right? Yes. We, we just do. And so, but a part of me kind of was like, I got to live this character three times, you know what I mean? Yeah. In, in three yeah. different workshops that, you know, if I don't get, don't do it for the public, I know for people, I know that my work beyond the song, go the distance in this piece is incredible. I know that um, no one else could have brought the vulnerability and the, the wild eccentric dance moves and the, the, the tumbling and yeah. you know all those skills that I had acquired through college that I knew in a physical production of the piece, I would bring something that they, they didn't even know was coming. Like, um, and so I kind of let, like, just let that go being like, then something else, something else would come and I, I will show myself, my true self yeah. to people. Um, and, but, but when they called, I was like, this, things like this, you have to pay attention when opportunities like that come to you because it's like all the odds were against me. Like you're telling me that you really couldn't find anyone and that you're coming back to me after I know you've auditioned many of my friends, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so who are very, very talented. And so I said, yes. And I said, yes. And, and, you know, me and the person on the creative team that had an issue with me, when he invited me to his house and we had to sit down and a come to Jesus moment with each other. And I said, sir, I'm not going to name any names, sir. I'm not here to change your peace. I'm not here to destroy your peace. I'm not, I'm here to offer you a way in that. I think that you've never actually seen your peace. You've yeah. never seen your peace this way. Right. And, to be and, of service to this peace. Yeah. And, and, and what it means for a black man to stand and believe that he is a God, that he um, is the is free of the the chains of of of, of society of, of this human world that he actually does not even belong here, um, and and what that song and, and I explained how I I see go the distance I see it as a slave being set free for the first time, and what that must feel like to know that there's the, the world is yours the world can be yours that that all the hurt and pain that you have suffered. Um, ends up being worth it because you're better than all these petty people on earth can ever be. Um, and so I, I, I said, trust me, trust me and allow me to, to do what I need to do on this piece. And, and we will have a product that I think that we're all going to be very satisfied with. Um, and that was before the world turned upside down. And so it's like, I think yeah. even now I'm like, I, I would love to venture into it now. And, yes. and and show the whole world the message of what um, we created um, is. 
So that's my Hercules process. <laughs> so this is crazy because, as I said, I saw it. And I, I mean, this isn't just like blowing smoke. Not only did you sing that song, but it was gorgeous. Thank Absolutely you. gorgeous. Um, you lifted all of us out of our seats and really into another realm. I mean, the mm. whole performance did that, but, uh, you know, no, it'd be, it'd be, it'd, somewhere of, of you singing that song and mind, the mind-blowingness of it. So how, if you feel like that wasn't something you could sing, mm-hmm. you know, during a workshop, how did you do that? Talk about Hercule yeah, like, talk about How did you learn to sing that song? And you had to do it many times. Yeah. And so how did you do it? Liz Kaplan um, is a genius and, and, and a kind of a... Um, it wasn't even a technical thing. It was a spiritual thing. We were in a voice lesson one day and she's like, stop, 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 stop. And she like touched my heart. Like literally like came up. She never leaves her piano. Comes over from your piano and touches my heart. And I burst into tears instantly. And I realized that I could not sing the last note of that song because the G, the note G is the throat is connected to the throat and heart chakra. And I could not sing the song because there was, I had been scarred from my process in Frozen. I had been scarred about my voice. Um, I had been scarred about my talent. I had been scarred about my worth. And I had to actually go really do some deep forgiving and releasing um, before I was able to come back to sing that song. Um, And so I, I, I did that work with people in my life that I was like, hey, you hurt me. I have to let you know that you hurt me. Um, and, 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 and I'm recovering from that. And just, just that confession of that and the hearing people that saying, I'm sorry. And things like that just kind of literally opened my chest up that then I began to have the lung capacity to sing the song because I was no longer holding all that, uh, that bad energy within me. I was finally releasing it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Jelani. That's incredible. Yeah, it it um yeah, it, I, and that was part of the reason why I left. I left Frozen. I could not do another year there because um, it was more than just the show. It was like the the people in the building for me, and and um and you know the racist tweets at me, and and all these things that I was like, I can't, I can't bear this much longer. You know, I I really can't be the sole person that this gets targeted to, um, I need to find a way to, to leave, to get out of here, um, and, and, and continue living my life again. Um, and so through the process of lessons with Liz, I was able to relinquish those demons and release them and fill myself with joy again, with joy, with true joy. And that is what came through, I believe, in my performance of the show is that I was like, let's just all stop, sit down and have this moment of joy together out in the park as a community. It was my community. I am a New Yorker being with other New Yorkers on stage with me, 200 other people who are just like me, brown and from the communities that I am from. Let's go. And let's give it all that we've got. And I would come home so tired, 
broken. I, I mean, my friends would be like, you're, you're doing too much. Like, why are you doing all that? I was like, because I have to. The show demands it. This character demands it. This is Hercules. I can't, I can't not be tumbling. I can't not be fighting um, monsters and, and last minute being like, let's add in this trick or add in that trick and, 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 and have that flashy element of like, he's a superhero. Like all my life, I wanted to be a Power Ranger and well, I get to do it now in this show and I'm going to do it as full as I can. If it means that I have to lay in my bed all day before I do my show, that's what it means, you know? Well, we got to bear witness to that, <laughs> right? I mean, I, I, I wonder, you know, we, we don't know what the future holds and I am so grateful knowing that Dumont Millennial Productions is about to put out into the world projects that come from your heart and your yeah. experience and, and that you're going to give others opportunities by, by doing something like this. Yes. Um, you know, when I think about producing and the, and the little bit I've done in, of it in my life, the, um, the greatest joy is giving others also opportunities to be great at what they do and, and right. whatever they need to be great to do it. And um, that's that's exactly why I don't think, you know, to be quite honest with you, yeah. I don't, I'm not rushing to play Hercules again. You yeah. know, I think that if anything, I would love to produce it with Disney theatricals and 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 be on that side and and find the next Jelani Aladdin because they're they're out there. These young kids yeah. are out there that that, that want opportunities that deserve opportunities and so i already got to play the part i already got to you know experience the epic zero to hero and and have every time i think about that number i have i get chills because i remember the feeling of being like wow i'm doing it i'm we're doing it we're doing this epic number um and, and that button and the final button of that number where the world just feels like whoa, the world just stops for a second it's it's it's, it's epic it's, a, it's an epic feeling and i want someone else to feel that too Right. And you have that forever. Like that's yeah. inside you. You can zip up. It's in there. It's safe. It's right. yours forever. Um, I just want to say to you that I hear your messages. I I hear your pain. Mm. I hear your dreams. You know, you've been so generous with us. You don't have to tell us anything you're thinking. You know, mm. you don't have to be public about anything that you don't want to be. And so the idea that you have been so patient and generous and erudite and passionate um, while some of us are catching up, I uh, I don't know how to thank you. There oh, aren't enough words thank to you. thank you except to say thank you. Um, I believe in humanity. Yeah. I do. I believe that um, if we take away... America, right? If we take away uh, this constructed, fabricated, um, flawed system that was made to only benefit a certain group of people, if we take that away, there were humans before there was America, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and, and human nature is, is of community. It is. It, it, it's of, um, of sharing. It's of love. Uh, we were made to coexist, hard as that may seem now in the middle of a global pandemic, but yet the whole world is experiencing it. So yeah, we are coexisting in, within this pandemic, even though we can't literally be in the same rooms with each other or things like that. Right. Um, but we were made to do that. And, and this system was kind of created to uh, advance others above that. 
And at the end of the day, it's like, nah, you still eat and shit just like me. Like, (laughs) you know, like you still are made of the same materials that I am made of. And, and, and all those, when you die, when you go to the grave, you can't take your money with you. You can't take your Republican or Democratic Party with you. You can't take your um, bigotry and hate with you. You can't even take your love with you. How about that? But what you, you just turn into flesh and bones and you return back to dust. And it's like, so why are we so um, uh, obsessed with, uh, with, uh, you know, living through these systems when it's like at the end of the day, when we die, which is coming for all of us, death is inevitable. Hate to break it to people. It's inevitable. Um, So stop fearing it and start living fully, you know? Yes. Yeah. Fully. Exactly. That's right. Um, This feels so, um, silly to ask you after mm-hmm. what you just said, but is there a little known fact <laughs> about you mm. that you can share? Um, I, I say it's fact. because you've shared such deep truths and such intense <laughs> facts to use the word little, um, but that does anything pop in your mind that we oh, don't know about you? Uh, I love seafood. <laughs> How I dream of getting to eat seafood with your restaurant. I freaking love crab legs and shrimp Mm. and lobster and clams and not oysters. I do not like oysters. Do not. We cannot do oysters. We will order oysters, but all those other things. All these other things, like it is like. I guess because me and my family used to like Red Lobster was like the place you went to for like a big event. Like someone graduated, someone's birthday, we went to Red Lobster. And so since I was a young kid, I've been like, oh my God, like seafood's like the treat. Like it's the thing you get when you've accomplished something. So like days when I'm like, when I book a job, for example, like me and my friends are like, we're like, we're going to the boil downtown and we're going to have a pound of crab legs and a pound of peeled shrimp and we're just going to pig out and enjoy it. Because for me, that that is like celebratory and that is a joyous event. So I've come to love seafood. <laughs> well, talking to you makes me want to head to a Red Lobster immediately because mm-hmm. this is um, a bucket list moment for me. And <laughs> so thank you for being here today and sharing oh the truth in your heart. And Thank you for having me. All right. Until I get to see you in person. Yes. Until next time. Little Known Facts is edited by Nicholas Klar and recorded in New York City.